there, guys. Wow. What a day. What? I can't even believe this is happening right now. How is this a thing? This it's is over life. Over a day, or what a night. This has been a lifetime coming for us. This is, wow. Um, okay, so I'm David Benary. I'm Gia Doxy. Hi, everybody. And this is Silhouettes. This is your, this is a Jersey Boys podcast. This is where we talk about everything that has to do with Jersey Boys, whether it's um, the music, the, sh- the, the, the script, the, the actors, everything that goes into making this show the sensation that it is today, we will be covering it here. <laughs> yes, uh, the stage production and the movie as well. So we're, we're in it. Yes. This is the deepest dive you can ever take into Jersey Boys. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So, um, I guess let's talk. Uh, let's let's tell them how we met. Um, well, first, um, we didn't officially meet until uh, 2019, but we actually saw the show on the same day. We saw Jersey Boys on the same day in 2012. What day? What date was it? January 21st, Sunday. Kind of love. 2012. It's Sunday Kind of Love. And uh, it was the first national tour. Um, our Frankie was Joseph Leo Bueri. Our Bob was Preston Truman Boyd. Our Nick was John Gardner. Uh, our Nick was Michael Amenda. And our Tommy was John Gardner. Yes. And fun fact, Michael Amenda was also Nick Massey in the movie, if you've seen it. In the movie. And he was, he was Nick Massey in Toronto. And then they asked him to to do it on the tour and then they eventually he did it on broadway for i think six months to a year and then he did it in the movie like wow i mean the, sh- the show just stays with you <laughs> you it, it just it does not leave yeah well Divi, i remember you told me i so originally your grandparents gave you a copy of the obc and that's all you listened to for a year is that correct yeah, they saw the show in 2005 they saw the original broadway cast they brought me back a cd and I didn't I didn't stop. It just drew me in. I had been listening to Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons for a few years already. Um on my way to baseball games with my grandfather, we used to put in the the blue CD, the very best of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. I remember his track, his his favorite track was always their amazing arrangement of I've got you under my skin. But of course it had all the classics on there, Sherry, Big Girls, Walk Like a Man. Um, Save It For Me, Candy Girl, some of the ones that got away, as they're called in the show. The, the songs that were hits from the group but never didn't necessarily make it into the show. Um, and that's all I listened to. And it became an on and off kind of thing. Um, one year I'd listen to it. One year I wouldn't. I'd get re-obsessed with it. Then it'd be like whatever. Um, and then I, find, I finally saw the show in 2012. And it was everything I could have hoped for and more. And... Then I, um, I've seen the show 18 more times since then. It is quite literally, it's, it's, it's a part of my life. Um, and then you, you, you've been listening to, to Frankie Valley in the four seasons, even before you saw the show also, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so I think it's safe to say um, I do not live in this time period at all. Like in 2020, I'm just not here when it comes to the like the entertainment that I consume. It's just not me. So I grew up very old school Italian American family. And oh, yeah, like both Franks. You got Valley and Sinatra. That's everything that I grew up with. So 
it coming so like with that yeah. and then i saw the show when i was 15 um and th- this was right after I, I started getting into musical theater so and i got into it by doing guys and dolls as my first musical the first show that i saw um there was another high school production was camelot and bye bye birdie like that was just me like old school and i was getting ready to do sweet charity as well so that time period i was just totally invested in um so of course this show just opened my eyes to everything and i remember i was sitting way in the balcony like last row but i i could not like i was at the very edge of my seat and i remember during like for the the music um Oh my gosh, like before the big three and before can't take, because you're looking from stage left to stage right, stage left, stage right, like as the music is building. And it's just the anticipation that that thrill never ever went away. And um, so I think what really makes this show special, um, whether you are Italian American, whether you are familiar with the music, um, it's the familiarity just with family, with brotherhood, just with friends in general that you have, um, mixed with this amazing storytelling um it's just the most upfront honest raw language that my family talked just like them you know it's like, like for example when tommy devito's like you know when he gets with frankie and he's like look it's like my mission like i gotta get this guy in there it's like i feel like i'm meant to do this or it's like or it's like why does everybody leave or you know like, why you're going to las vegas what for it's like your health you know just like that constant like riff and just back and forth that people have yeah. that stick Jews talk like that too. I mean, it's the what, what does Sebastian Maniscalco say? You know, Jews and Italians very similar. They say same corporation, different division. division. You know? Exactly, <laughs> it's so true. Like, everyone can relate to it. If you have a smart ass in your life, you get it. That's pretty much it. So, and of course, yeah. and my phone is very much like blue collar. Um, you know, it's just how it was, and. And what's really cool about this show is that let's say for those listening to this, I'm sure you're like, you've got the musical theater bug somehow, whether it was like the classic song and dance musicals or even the modern, like more in-depth musicals, like next to normal, et cetera. This show has both of those elements too. So I think that's also what makes it timeless. Um, Even though it is a period piece that I know some people are very hesitant to get into, but it's impossible not to like this show it really is it it has aged very well extremely it's been 15 years you know so it's it's 15 years it has aged very well so um i guess we should talk about what this show is all about um well we kind of already established that but um what this episode specifically is all about um it's where you know we're trying to gain an emotional and technical perspective of of the musical and and um we have a very very special guest with us tonight um yes, wow very esteemed guest and it's absolutely wild that we're saying this he's on mute right now and he has no idea i'm shaking how excited i am <laughs> so our first guest is the one and only Aaron De Jesus, the resident Frankie Valley off Broadway at New World Stages since the show's reopening in November 2017. To say he's a Jersey Boys veteran is uh, it's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Check out his resume. Okay. So for three and a half years, he started the Las Vegas production as Joe Pesci, and he understudied for Frankie. He later got a well-deserved promotion playing Frankie on the second national tour for two years. He even auditioned for the original out-of-town tryout at La Jolla, 
Playhouse back in 2004. This was in California um, when uh, before the show even got to Broadway. So he's his um, history with the show goes way back. And so and to us, you know, he's the he's the best of Broadway. <laughs> he's generous. He's <laughs> humble. He's respectful. He's a class act. And he even gave Gia some cookies one time. That I can still taste. They were delicious. Thank you. <laughs> and we are so honored that he was able to arrange a sit down with us to quote the show. So please, without further ado, welcome the big man in town, Aaron De Jesus. Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. No, this is this is um, this is um, this is just everything coming together in such an amazing way. Oh, well, I'm super, super excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, I met Aaron the first time. Well, I, I didn't I didn't meet him until um, he did the show at New World Stages. But I saw him play Frankie in 2000 at the, the beginning of 2017 when the tour came by to Miami. Um, I was actually at the opening night of the of the Miami leg. And um, we connected on Instagram. Interesting, because I, I, I remember at least seeing you, um, because when we, when, we met, when we met at New World Stages, I had remembered you from, from Miami. Huh. Yeah. It's very po- I stayed for a while, so it's very possible that we could have seen each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that was how many? That was like almost four years ago. Yeah. That's so nuts. That's so crazy. We connected much closer when we got to when when you guys got to off Broadway. Um, and it was so great that you guys, you and Corey, were able to transfer from that tour along with Mark, who was he was swinging on That's the tour. Right. If I yeah, recall, he was right? a swing at the time on tour. Um, so and and he was such an amazing Nick Massey. Um, and uh, you're you're so humble. You're so generous. You're so just an amazing person. And you have a wonderful family and. We are sure glad, and as I'm sure Jersey Boys is sure glad to have you. Oh, well, in the show. thank you, thank you very much. That's so nice. I feel very lucky, um, very blessed um, to be a part of the show, um, and especially for so long. It's such a rare thing for any actor to have a long-running job like this, and for it to be in such a great show as you guys already know. Um, it just makes it that much that much sweeter. Mm. So it's it's funny. Um, a few. Uh, uh, I I remember. Um, I think it was halfway through 2018. Um, after one of the perf- after one of the performances I went to, I've seen the show at New World Stages. Um, 14 times now. Um, I think after uh, uh halfway through 2018. Uh, I saw I saw the show. I we we met at the stage door after, and we went our separate ways. And then I'm at the train station, and I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I'm like, "Who is this? It's it's New York Penn Station. It could be anyone." And it's you. It's Aaron De Jesus. Right. You were like, "Hey, wow, you're at New York Penn Station. I'm at New York Penn Station. Where are you headed?" And I'm like, "I'm headed back to Newark. I'm going back to my apartment." And um, you're like, "Whoa, what stop do you take?" And I'm like, "Newark Broad." And you're like, well, I go through Newark Broad too. Let's ride the train home together. <laughs> so that was such a funny st- like sh- stroke of like coincidence of luck that we just we both ended up there at the same time together, and we ended up riding the train home uh, multiple times together uh, with with Gail also a few times. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
Um, it, it never ceases to amaze me how big New York City is, but how we tend to run into people we know so often. And I know part of it is the fact that so much of where we are is within the theater district. And so it makes sense that we would run into each other, but it's still, you know, eight, nine million people in this city and we still run into each other. It's amazing. It was, it was completely amazing. And um, yeah. If I may, um, well, Aaron, I'm not sure if you feel this way too, but that's the reason why um, I moved to New York is to hopefully have these happenstances or just get to know people like in like in the same industry of course as what like David and I also want to get into because we're both Florida people you know so we both mm-hmm. what's your this is the dream this is what we want to do and I, I remember even just watching the show I, I keep thinking it's like I, I want to be friends with these people you know like they get it just the way I do so it's really cool just to have these conversations and just and the fact that you are so welcoming and supportive of us because i met you almost to the day i met you june 7th last year um under very strange circumstances <laughs> um basically as you know um basically i was with a group of friends at just at new world stages probably on like four or five o'clock ish like mm-hmm. right about around the time people would go into work for the shows and then we met you there and olivia valley and but you were just so nice, and I was like, "They're gonna think that we're stalking him. Like we have to leave. What is going on?" And but you were not like that at all. I, and I just have to say thank you for that, and then for following you back on Instagram and just being so supportive of of everything that like your fans and that your friends do. I think this is that's just the coolest thing. Oh, thank but, you, um, thank you. And that that that's what we love about New World Stages is you know that no no one first of all I don't think anyone knows where the stage door is like. To be yeah, honest, it's a little confusing <laughs> and, and it makes it makes for when we see people at the stage door, it's very meaningful because it's they really have to work to find it. They have to ask. They have to look. It's not um, it, it's on the other. It's on a different street than the entrance they came in. So it's a little confusing, but it makes it it makes the our encounters at the stage door that much sweeter because people really, really make an effort to get there. Aww. Yeah. And there's, there's no barricades. It's super chill. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of of very niche things and kind of like digging to find the answers, um, Aaron, we know that you do interviews all the time. So we really want to mm-hmm. ask you as like niche of a question as we possibly can. And I know David is like itching to know about this. Um, so since we've been involved with the show for so long, um, David and I heard about Frankie Camp. Um, David, mm-hmm. do you want to take the reins on this question? Yeah, so um what was what was Frankie Camp like? It's it's if for for I I guess I'll, I'll I'll let you explain it, but um what was Frankie Camp like and does it guarantee you a spot in the show? Um those are great questions. First of all, I'll actually answer the second question first by saying it does not at all guarantee you a spot in the show. Um and what Frankie Camp is is uh because this role is particularly uh, specific, difficult, challenging to cast, um, the the producers and the casting directors have been continually holding auditions to keep what we, that we would say it like keep the books padded to keep their files full of people that could potentially do the role. Because um, at some point in time, they're going to give me the boot. Maybe I don't know. Um, uh, or I may move on to something else, uh, and which is what happens in the business. You know, through the years, there have been 
um, dozens of Frankie Valleys that have played the role all over the world. Uh, and so it, you know, there, it's hard to find a guy that's short, that sings high, that can capture the essence of Frankie, um, that has the kind of, uh, basically checks all the boxes that they're looking for. It's very, very specific. And so what they do is, especially when there were five or six companies of the show um, in the world uh, all at one time, I think at one point there were eight or nine actually, um, but they, every six months they were, uh, with, when, they're, when they're holding their auditions, they would also invite people that they would consider to this Frankie camp. And, and essentially what it is, it's three days of um, a rigorous kind of, a workshop situation. Um, they tell you it's not an audition. Uh, it kind of is, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you spend a whole day doing um, choreography with one of the associate choreographers or the dance captains. You spend an entire day doing vocal work with Katie Agresta, who is the official kind of vocal coach and voice teacher of all the Frankie Valleys and Jersey Boys. And then you spend a day doing scene work with uh, one of the associate directors um, and kind of getting the essence of, you know, of what the role is. And uh, they kind of work with you. They give you notes. Um, it's encouraging. It's not at all like that they're trying to evaluate you, but they're kind of gauging um, how well you can handle everything that is thrown at you uh, because it's a lot. It's a lot. Of, it's arguably one of the most challenging roles, um, especially for a man in 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 musical theater history, um, because of the the strenuous vocal challenge, um, the age arc that Frankie goes through throughout the story, um, and um, the Frankie splits, which is, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the some of the dancing that we have to do. It's it's difficult to find someone that can can check all those boxes. So, uh, and it, it was a really cool experience. Um, I did my Frankie camp in two thousand and nine, if I remember correctly, and didn't make it into the show until two thousand and twelve. So, uh, and it's a funny story. I mean, how that even happened, uh, but that's kind of a, a side point. It, it, uh, it's, but it's a really cool experience. Uh, you get to have your first taste of what it's like to kind of work on this material. Um, and everybody, like I said, was very encouraging. You know, they want, they want you to get it. They want you to be what they're looking for. Um, cause it makes their job so much easier, you know? Do you happen to know if the other Frankies you were with at the camp, if they ever made it into the show at, in any capacity? Um, I honestly don't know. I don't think any of them did. I knew one of them was a friend of mine from college, uh, who's a little bit younger than I am. Um, and he kind of stayed in, in entertainment, but is no longer really doing musicals and stage musicals. He's, uh, he kind of creates his own, uh, stuff. Um, and he's a musician and a, and a composer as well. Um, mm. but I don't, I don't know that anybody from that group actually eventually went into the show. Uh-huh. Um, you, you guys worked with, with Richard Hester, the, he's um, the associate director, right? Uh, sometimes you do. I, at the time that I went to Frankie Camp, 
Uh, I worked with a man named West Tyler, who was uh, uh, who was an associate director, like Richard was, is. Excuse me, I should say. At that time, in two thousand and nine, um, there were. I got to think about this. One, two, three, four, five at least five or six companies, no, maybe seven of Jersey boys in the world. And you have to remember that every single cast has two Frankies at this time. Um, and people are coming and going like they always do in any show. So they were working tirelessly constantly to keep the shows going. And I think that, um, uh, so uh, West was uh, one of the associate directors, and he would come and, you know, when Richard was doing something, he was there to do something else. Right. So, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, um, in any official production of Jersey Boys, there are, um, well, in the old days, there were uh, two Frankies. There was a primary Frankie who was doing it six times a week, and there was what we call a two-show Frankie. He was an alternate. He would do two shows a week. Um. We're uh, we're actually we're friends with um, one of the he, he was um, he was a two show Frankie uh, on Broadway Dominic Scaglione Jr. Uh, mm -hmm. We're friends with him. Uh, I, I I'm not sure. Gia did he was he? Oh, he split he split the role with Mauricio Perez at the end, right? When it was on Broadway, I, I think. Believe so yes, I know he I know he was on. It had to be 2011 to at least 2013. Possibly. Yeah, and he also did. He also did it in. Was it Chicago? He has, he did it in Chicago also. Yeah, right? he did. He did do it in Chicago. That's right. Yeah, and I I think he was he was doing I he was doing the the two show Frankie over there also. Um, cool. Um, so that's that's so that's Frankie Camp. Um, mm -hmm. Does that that's answer such your question? Is that answer your question mostly? I mean, it's one hundred percent. It's yeah. such a it's, it's it's such a neat such a niche thing that I don't know a lot of other shows. I, I don't think there's an Alphaba Camp. I don't think no. there's um w which if you think about it, um just just like um Frankie Valley is, I, I it's in my top five of uh, hardest male musical theater roles. I think Alphaba is also in the top five of female. Uh, most yeah, difficult I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. So it's so it's such a niche yeah. thing that just it's so Jersey Boys that they have a it's that they have a Frankie Camp. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's wonderful. Um, so we have another question: How many combos have, of seasons have you performed with? <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, I well, let's say since I became Frankie um, on the tour. Uh, that first year there was one combination and that was Drew Seeley played Bob Gaudio, uh, Matt Daly, uh, played Tommy DeVito and, um, Keith Hines played Nick Massey. Uh, and we were together, the three, the four of us were together that whole year. Um, the next year, uh, Drew moved on and I was Corey Jacoma and that was me, Corey, Matt and Keith for the next year. And then after that, I went, I moved to New World Stages and we opened the show there. Um, and it was me, Nick Dramard, um, uh, Mark Edwards, and Corey. Uh, and then 
I gotta think. I think Nick left first, and and then uh, Sam Wolf came. Sam Wolf came in, and he was there for a while. Then Corey left, and Austin Colby came in. Uh, and then and then Sam left, and uh, John Gardner filled in for a little bit. Um, Corey Greenan came. Corey in Greenan came in and filled in for a little bit. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and and then no, and, and then and then Nick came back a few times. That's right. Then Nick did come back. Dramard came back for a little bit. Uh, and then and then in. John Rochette and then John Rochette took over. And then John Rochette is now the Tom. He 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 was in the ensemble and covered uh, Tommy. And he moved up, and he's now the Tommy. Um, and then, let's see, I, so I left Nick. Uh, Keith was there for a while, and then he moved on. And now we have Jonathan Cable, who plays Nick Massey. And Austin Colby left. And now we have C.J. Polakowski playing Bob Gaudio. Bob. Yeah. So and, uh, this is not even counting understudies. This is not even counting understudies you performed with. That is correct. Or the 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 seasons that I performed with in Las Vegas when I went on as Frankie as an understudy. Right. So, now you you were going on as Frankie in Vegas. So for people who don't know, um, in Vegas the split between Frankies went even more um, because of the climate in Vegas. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so great for the voice. They were doing a four and four split. You told me. Mm-hmm, that's right. And even and even then, you told me sometimes you were going on twice a month as Frankie. Yeah, I would. I and I would also like help cover if one of them went on vacation. The other one would do as many as he could, and then I would pick up the slack as a cover. Um, I, there were other covers too, um, and we would kind of split it up a little bit. Uh, but I probably the, for the three and a half years that I was there, I I went on on average about once a month. Um, and that would be like sometimes I would be on two or three times in a month. Sometimes I wouldn't be on for several weeks or a month or two. It just kind of, kind of how it was how it happened. But it was honestly, it was an it was a wonderful way for me to, I, I don't want to say ease into the role, but to um, get better at doing the role at a slower pace. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's um, it's like it's like the tortoise and the hare. You know, you mm-hmm. you 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 got your you got your 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 footing in you got your footing in and that prepared you you were you were that much more prepared when you right. when you took it on full time that is correct that is correct um so i wanted to ask you um this is this has been a question of mine for a long time not just jersey boys so understudies be, because so for anyone who plays joe pesci they automatically they they always automatically cover Frank, right? Yeah, that's always been the case uh, because it, it works out well for several reasons. First, first of all, um, the the type, the physical type, is essentially identical. Uh, the short Italian-looking guy. Um, uh, also, the vocal demands, the choral vocal demands of a Joe Pesci are um, similar, very close to what Frankie sings throughout the show, and so um, it 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 just it makes sense and it always has been, and it probably always will be. It would be silly not to, to continue to do something like that. Right. He's doubling. Cause I, I know y'all are singing backstage. 
mm-hmm. when 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 the guys are on stage um because Frankie's voice was doubled on the tracks um Bob Gaudio wanted um everyone to to be singing backstage to create that feeling Joe Joe Pesci is kind of always doubling Frankie's lines, right? Um, he... I, I, not always, but uh, a lot of the time, yes. A- anytime, uh-huh. anytime that um, the guys are singing as a as a quartet, um, everybody's being doubled, uh, not just Frankie. And so um, it it just fills out the choral sound and the the sound of the show. So. So my question is, how does the understudy system work? Like. Is there such thing as a, a first understudy, second understudy, third under? Is there an order, or it's just a who is? It sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't. It all depends. That's uh, usually up to the discretion of uh, the directors, the stage management, the production company. They decide. Any some some companies have a strict uh, no favorite policy. Other companies would rather have their stronger understudy go on more um uh, it, it just all depends on the situation and and um uh i've seen both in this company um and it, i think it just all depends on the situation yeah yeah because I, I i talk about that a lot with with my friends just to, just when we're talking about theater in general we always have a discussion oh if this person doesn't go on who's going to go on but they have done the role more so maybe they it's always just such a huge so it's it's interesting yeah and you know i i think that for the most part from what i've seen in our company it's all been very fair and and um and good i unfortunately i've heard stories of other companies and other and when i say other companies i mean other shows who um and other actors and actresses that can get caught up in in the the you know the kind of politics of Oh, this person gets put on more than the other person, and then feelings can get hurt, and those sorts of things. And um, it's just, it's not, it's, it's an unfortunate side effect of of humanity. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when you when you're the understudy, you want to go on as much as possible. Anybody does most of the time. Um, you want to, you want to have a chance at that lead role. Um, and so, uh, you know, if if that's taken away from you, it it can hurt your feelings sometimes. Right. No. That's that, and that's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um so it's I I it's totally much better when when companies have protocols and you know SOPs for this kind of for this kind of thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Up. Um so we wanted to ask you, you have told me a little bit about this and Corey mentioned it to me a little bit. The Jersey Boys Bible. Mm-hmm. That you guys have. Can you is that something that you can talk about? Well, essentially all it is is a, a, a if you want to get into technical theater terms, it's a dramaturgy um reference. Uh when they were putting the show together and as they continued to run the show, they created a a, a reference, um an appendix of things that basically all the history behind the words, the script, the music, um, some of the movement, the references that are made in the show um, to just give the cast and the company a little bit more background and history behind um, behind the show and the story. Um, the great thing about our show is that it's a true story and it's from 
from from the source, from the mouths of the men and women who lived it. And so um, everything is backed up with stories and facts and and history. Um, and so, you know, it's it's really really very cool uh, to know that you can go and and if you have a question about something in the show, you can you can refer back to uh, the what we call the Jersey Boys Bible, um, but it's basically just a reference guide that kind of just takes the show line by line and says this is what this is this is what this is referring to. It has even when um, when Norm Waxman comes and you know says and loans money to to Tommy and says that brings it up to sixteen grand. Um, uh, in the Jersey Boys Bible, it actually has an annotation there that says, "In our time, sixteen grand is the basically the equivalent of," and they had they had kind of based on inflation figured out what it was worth in you know at the time two thousand six you know money the money equivalent. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was you know, more like two or three hundred thousand dollars or something like that. So half a mil. Yeah, maybe. I don't you know In that I, neighborhood. <laughs> I can't even remember what it was. But it was a cool thing to go, oh, so when he's saying, you know, eleven grand, barring eleven grand from someone, it's not that big a deal these days. You know, barring three hundred thousand dollars from someone, that's a big deal. Um wow. so yeah. Well, well is the Jersey cool. Boys Oh, go ahead. Oh sorry. No no you go you go ahead. Oh, well, well, okay. The Bible is just something that I know David and I would love to like really just delve into because we noticed that there's uh-huh. so many discrepancies in the show or just different liberties that they take. Um, like for example, mm-hmm. like American Bandstand, like that wasn't even a, a thing. Well, so what, 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 what we, well, so what we found out mm-hmm. is that they, nothing comes up anywhere when you search Sherry for American Bandstand, but they did sing Big Girls Don't Cry on American Bandstand. Mm -hmm. And we found that to be a huge, whoa. You know, so I was was wondering, we wanted to ask you if that was... If if that's addressed, I don't know. To be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure about that. I will say the only thing, you know, everything everything in the show uh, is is true. Um, what the things that happened are true. The the one thing that we uh, artistically play with a little bit is time, right? Um, oh, well, we're gonna get to that soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we, I think that when they were creating the show, they found that if they played with time a little bit, it helped tell the story a little bit better and made it more, um, of course, compelling and enjoyable to watch. Right. Oh, well, so, we'll so, so um, Sherry was the first big hit, um, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe because it was a big hit after it be, they became a big deal, then they were on American Bandstand with big girls. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that. So, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. is is the Bible? digital is it a digital file at this point or is it still uh, is there a set place there's for it literally like a, a a binder um that has it it's all it's a printed binder that we have uh usually in the production office 
Well, I promise I will not go trying to hunt down for it on the internet. We don't care what we will want to try to do. Please don't do that. Keep the magic of yeah, the way it is. <laughs> well, what's uh, to follow up, Aaron? So it was really interesting where you said that there's a vocal coach, um, like for Frankie. Is mm-hmm. is is your vocal coach exclusively for the Frankie character, or are there multiple vocal coaches depending on on? Um, they realized early on that the vocal demands of this role um, could potentially be damaging or limiting to a person's longevity, either in the show or as a singer. So um, they took it upon themselves to hire this woman. Uh, her name is Katie Agresta. She is she specializes in rock and roll singers and has been teaching voice for literally like fifty years. Wow. Um, she. Uh, has been teaching uh, John Bon Jovi for over 30 years. She's had Cindy Lauper for like 35 years. Um, and the list kind of goes on and on. Um, there are people that she's not allowed, she's not legally obligated, uh, legally obligated not to disclose um, that she's told me. She hasn't told me who they are, but, you know, I, we, I understand that. Um, and she has a very specific uh, technique and, and it's, uh, it's, you, all I have to say is you cannot argue with the results. I've uh, I've been faithful with Katie since the beginning. Um, she has uh, she's kept me healthy and strong. I've never had any sort of vocal issues related to oversinging or um, improper technique or anything like that. She basically keeps me healthy vocally through the difficult challenge of singing this show. And, and I'm you're doing so, it eight times a week right I'm now. I'm so grateful to have her. And she's been, she's, and she's become a friend, a dear friend of mine. I mean, after eight years of seeing her uh, at least once a week, um, we we're, we become close friends. Um, and she's, she's just, she's wonderful. And she's really good at what she does. She really is. Well, God bless that's, Katie. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, There's yeah. always this special bond that we, sh- with, that we um, form with our, with our vocal teachers and our acting coaches, because, you know, we're so, this is such a vulnerable thing that we do. It is. We... You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Aaron, so, so you, you meet with her once a week. Like, does she come to new world stages? Do you meet her? Um, um, we've been doing, she's, she's located in the city and, you know, I started with her when I was in Las Vegas. We do, I would say 90, 95% of our lessons are over Skype actually. Wow. That's hard. Um, it, it is, but you know, we've been doing it for so long and she, she's figured out a way uh, to make it work. And so it, it, you know, it works and um, we, I don't know. I, I, yeah, we've been doing it over Skype and occasionally I'll go in uh, now that we're, now that I'm here in New York, I get to go in every once in a while. Um, but even that's now changing. She, she's been teaching everybody remotely during the pandemic, of course, and has found that she might just move to 100% remote teaching um, wow. just to, to make things easier. But we'll see. That's wild. Well, how are you doing with the pandemic? Um, I am doing well, thank you. Uh, we did get uh, infected at the house here. Uh, my wife uh, had a pretty severe case, and actually she's still dealing with... Um, uh, some of the some of the symptoms actually after three or four months, if you can believe oh, no. that. Um, wow. 
she's been uh she's been a real trooper uh i i'm yeah my wife my, my wife got a pretty severe case my daughter and i both got very mild cases so we're okay it's been a an interesting time you know as as we all know and you know we became went from being just parents to being teachers um doing school at right. home every day and right. that was a unique challenge we just finished if you can imagine on Tuesday was the last day of school. So this Ayo. is our, yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure y'all never, are relieved. We've, we've never been so happy to be done with school. Oh, it was <laughs> in a while. Hard. Yeah. Imagine. It's been a little bit. Yeah. It's hard on kids too, because you know, it, and not only was it hard on us, but it's hard on kids. They go, they get a chance to get, to be away, to be themselves, to not have their parents, you know, hanging over them. Uh, and so it was healthy for her to be with her friends. And now she, she didn't get that and she couldn't get away from us and she couldn't get away with anything. And, and, you know, we're like, do this work, you know, and come on, do your writing. And, you know, yeah. the last thing, that's the last thing a kid wants is their parent to also be their school teacher. So, um, of course. but she's singing Don go away to you. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that for oh, sure. Oh my God. Well, I'm happy you guys are getting better. I'm so sorry. I had no idea that yeah, thank you, you guys got protected. Yeah. And I can it's, imagine it's just that strain on your voice too, because you're so, like, you're used to exercising every day. Like how, how are mm -hmm. you like, are you still? So, yeah. I'm much better. I'm back to kind of being as active as I can. Although it it literally, my symptoms were some minor um, respiratory problems, mainly sinus stuff, um, and then fatigue for like two or three months. It was just I was just tired all the time, and I thought, oh, I'll have a nice break from the show, and I won't be tired all the time. And I was just tired all the time. And um, I'm finally starting to kind of the last month or so have been feeling better. I'm getting back into being as active as I can, working out, you know, pumping that iron, all that stuff. <laughs> nice. Well, That's so, so great. It's yeah. wonderful. We're, we're, we're happy that, you know, you guys are feeling better. Life, life was just, uh, I mean, who, who would have thought that this? Oh, this could have happened. Yeah, never, you know? never, never. If you told me a year ago this was going to happen, I, I think that everybody would just laugh in your face and say that there's no way that could happen. And here we are, you know, it's looking like, you know, Broadway's not coming back until next next year, beginning of next year. At yeah, the well, right. I know. I know. They said January third, earliest, um, mm -hmm. the earliest that it would come back. Um, it's uh, so. And even then, there's some 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 people are saying maybe not until the spring. Uh, so, we, you know, we just take it day by day, week by week, day by day, exactly. and hope for the best. Exactly, exactly. So let's 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 head into our next segment over here. Um, Gia, you want to take the reins? Sure. Well, um, we kind of got into this already with just how you keep Frankie fresh, um, you know, mm -hmm. just um, like, so with your vocal exercises, um, even with choreography. I remember one time I was talking to you last year and you said you had a rehearsal with your choreographer. Um, like how often do you have those refresher workshop slash rehearsals? Um, I would say that probably every six months or six or eight months we'll have kind of a refresher. Uh, you know, we have a dance captain, um, 
Right now, it's Diana Barger. She does a great job keeping us, um, uh, keeping the show really, really tight. Uh, and, you know, occasionally, or if like we get a new season or a couple of new seasons, um, then they might go, you know what, let's, let's, uh, let's spend a couple hours together just working on these moves together and maybe find a way to, for us to kind of, and they might change a little, you know, something very subtle that I've been doing with the guy next to me because he's taller or shorter or uh, he's doing something different. And if I do it this way, it'll look better for the picture. Um, it's mm -hmm. very organic in that way. And it's kind of cool. Um, so uh, that's one of the great things is, and one of the things that's kept the show so tight and so wonderful all these years is that that, that kind of attention to detail. Um, it's not often that we have excessive rehearsals. Um, and it's usually for a very good reason. Um, and, and so, and it always helps the show be better. That's the point, right? They want the best performance, the best look, um, out of, out of, out of every show. Does a new season get a put in? Yes, a, a, definitely a new season gets a put in. Um, everybody that comes into the show gets a put in. Um, Oh wow! But not necessarily as big a deal as a season put in, if that makes sense. So they may not get like all the lights or all the music or something like that, but they'll have an opportunity to have a put in. I think I remember right. Can you can you explain to uh, our listeners who might not know what a put in is? If you yeah, can explain a to put them in rehearsal, is. a put in rehearsal. So when when a show's been running like ours for a very long time. Um, someone new may come into the show, a new cast member, which happens quite often, and they will they will rehearse with the dance captain, with the associate director, with the music director, and they'll learn their part. Uh, they'll run it as much as they can. Uh, they will often have uh, take part in the understudy rehearsals that happen once every other week or so. Once every two or three weeks, they have an understudy rehearsal so that all the understudies can be fresh. Um, so they'll let them work with the understudies as well and, and do those rehearsals with them to learn the show better. And then they'll have what's could, called a put-in rehearsal, which is essentially a final dress rehearsal for them. It will have everything that they do in the show, including costume changes, uh, microphones uh, for the girls. It would be wigs and hair and hats and all those sorts of things. Every, it's, it's essentially running through their entire show. Um, and usually most of the rest of the cast is there for the put in rehearsal, um, so that they can have a feel of what it's like to do the show with the cast. But you guys don't get into full costume and makeup, right? Uh, sometime, no, not normally, uh, they do the person who does it will. Right. They, uh, but anytime in, in, in the Jersey boys world, anytime we have a rehearsal, um, they ask us to to be respectful with our dress. So oftentimes if we're doing a put in or something like that, the four seasons will be wearing jackets. When we wear jackets, um, it may not be the show jacket, but it will be uh, a jacket so that we, you know, the, the, the feel and the look of the show is similar to when we're actually doing a performance. Right. Uh-huh. 
that's so cool. I had no idea what a put-in was until now. So that's that's yeah, great. That's a put-in rehearsal. It's essentially, yeah, that's we put them into the show. That's where it comes right. from. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, David, do you have any other questions for Aaron about just about the technical side of it? Or should we yeah, dive so I I I I think with 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 keeping it fresh, there there also comes um uh, you know the the other layer of keeping it fresh. I mean, you've been you've been doing the part just at neural stages alone, almost three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so and you're you're working with this I mean, brilliant script. And Rick Ellis and Marshall Brickman they came up with this amazing libretto. Um, you're singing these amazing songs, but and especially you, you're doing you're doing it eight times a week what 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 do you do as an actor to keep it fresh to keep it to keep it like you're saying everything for the first time um that's that's the secret right that's the that's that's uh the hardest part when it comes to doing something for a very long time um and the the answer is what i teach my students my acting students which is listening listening and responding, just being present and listening to what's happening, paying attention. It's easy to memorize words and to say them when you're supposed to say them. Um, uh, It's not easy to invest yourself emotionally and mentally in a moment for the 2,822nd time and say the same words that you've said 2,822 times. Um, and so, and, and that's not an exact number, but it's probably, it's very close, I'm sure. Um, uh, but the, and it's, it's, it's easy to answer and say, oh, listen and respond, be in the moment, all those sorts of things. But it takes, it takes a focus, it takes practice. Uh, one of the things that has helped through the years is the fact that I have been able to work with so many different people. And every person that comes into the show brings with them a completely different energy. Um, They're saying the exact same words in the exact same places um, and many times in a very similar way. Um, But their energy, their interpretation, their vocal quality is different enough to make you listen differently and go, oh, and maybe I'll respond a little differently. Um, and, and that's, that's, that helps keep it fresh. You know, uh, there, as many people come to our show and a lot of them have been, have seen the show before. There are still a lot of people that come to our show who have never seen the show before and they deserve to see a fresh new show for their eyes. Um, and so my job as an actor is to make sure that they have that experience. You know, it's not fair for me to phone in my performance um, just because I'm not feeling it today. Um, the, the, the audience deserves a new, fresh experience. And that's, that's my job as an actor is to give them that new, fresh experience. It needs to be I like think, new. I think that's so important. Um, you know, at, at least um, at, uh, at Rutgers, when I, when I was... Um, when I was at school, uh, we only used to do uh, five performances. Um, now, I, I uh, doing community theater growing up. I was, I was used to long runs. We used to do three or four weeks um, mm-hmm. of 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday. We used to do, we used to do sometimes six show week six show weeks. Wow. So and three weeks of that. So I, I was very lucky to be able to be introduced at an early age to that kind of rigorous um thing. So uh when I got to Rutgers, um they uh, our director was talking about the the third show slump and I, I the third show hump or whatever whatever the the word was and that just didn't I just didn't compute with me because I I, I and I, I I guess I remember uh other friends growing up when they used to do uh theater with their school or other uh, or other community theaters around Miami they weren't they weren't doing three three week uh three week runs they were doing if sometimes if they were lucky they would do only do one or two performances so um being able to to balance your energy and balance your your stamina is such an important thing and when 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 you look at it like like you do like yourself does with that's that's your job to tell the story it's almost like of course there there there're going to be those days when there're going to be those days when it's this is the last thing you're going to want to do but you remember your responsibility yeah. and it just automatically takes you into that mindset it does and um, you know honestly too i i have to say if if this was if i was doing a show that didn't have as good a book if the, i was doing a show that didn't have the the depth uh the the quality of music um you know i'm not, I'm not trying to rag on any other shows or anything like that but like i <laughs> I may not be as it may it wouldn't be as easy, and not to say that it's easy. It would be much harder to to get to give that fresh performance. I there aren't there are shows that are not as well written, <laughs> and there are shows that don't have as good a music as this show does. And so, you know, singing these songs as many times as I have isn't the same as singing other songs. You know, over twenty eight hundred times. So. I think I think yeah. it's so funny. It's it, it it almost seemed a few times that I've seen the show with you that it it, it almost seemed like I don't remember it, it was um it was uh so th- this is kind of tying in something that me and Gia have been talking about. We call this um the so the 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 scene with Tommy and Frankie at the beginning of the show um after he sings um I can't give you anything but love. Mm-hmm. And uh, with with the with the with the card trick, and I ain't your little brother. Um, I I remember there was one one time that I saw the show. This is, I think this was like the fourth or fifth time that I felt myself discovering something new with you because I hadn't seen you play this moment like this before. Or maybe you did. I hadn't clocked it. But uh, me and Gia call this moment when um when you when you when you when you walk away from him, I ain't your little brother, and he he uh, Tommy, it's so brilliantly written. He pulls him back in. He mm-hmm. says he's saying good tonight. Me and Gia, what did what did we call that? So well well just to finish the line, he says yeah good not great, and then so and in that well that's he says that in the movie. Well, true, but like you, well, that's also, that's true. I apologize. But, but yes, anyway, he, Frankie turns around. He just looks at him and like, you let that moment sit. And we call that rope acting 
where basically Tommy's throwing the rope and then because like, you know Frank because Frankie's young like he's at that point where he's you know he's a kid so he's trying to like he's learning how how this works with Tommy and mm-hmm. how not to piss him off well he, him he looks up to Tommy even and, though Tommy rags on him he looks up to him and he wants mm-hmm. his approval and so right. Tommy knows exactly. that and so he throws that little line out to kind of bait him saying good tonight exactly mm. yeah and it, okay. it, even before you turn around you stop and you serve us this backting that is the most amazing backting <laughs> i've yeah. ever seen in my life and this whole rope acting thing that show. we talked yeah i think that that's exactly. why show multi- you see, people who see the show multiple times at least for us like that's why we go like to see those new subtleties and those discoveries 100 percent Awesome. And so I felt I felt myself discovering that moment with you, and that just elevated my experience so much more. Um, and it, it even goes it even goes so far like uh, since we're on this rope acting. I mean, he he keeps him on this rope, and then when he's with Lorraine in the second act, and they're breaking up, um, Frankie's like he couldn't help himself, and then. Lorraine's like uh, uh, St. Francis. Is that it? Kind to animals. It's like you're. He's still. He's still baiting you, yeah. and it's it's just. Yep. I I, I told you I get goosebumps just yeah. just thinking about it, just talking about this. Um, True, and and, and uh, so it's so well put together. It is, and thank you for saying. I'm sorry to interrupt. I apologize. Um, no, for no saying worries. responding and not reacting, because. The way I grew up in high school with my acting directors, like they, it's like okay, there's a, they kind of kept it as basic as possible. So they would give you these inane directions that just say, okay, this guy says this line, okay, react to that, react to that. It's like no, you can't, you're not react. You're re- it's a response. Like yes, it, it acting is reacting, you know, as mm-hmm. as they say, but it is about listening. So I really appreciate you saying that and being honest with like with doing this show as many times as you have because that's what yeah, real actors need to know it's and it, you know what i it's there you can i don't know i have found i like to break things down to the most simple clear and concise way of explaining and understanding things and that have i have found in all the studying that i've done of acting that breaking it down to basic, simple things, listening and responding, um, going after an objective, you know, making sure that you're motivated, you know who you are, what you want, and how you're going to get it. I mean, um, and if you have those basics in place and you know the text, you know you've done your homework, um, you'll be able to listen. You'll be able to respond. All those things will come. And then you can just be, you know, you can, you can exist in, in the role, exist in the world and, and allow the words to come when they're supposed to come. And, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. Um, I wanted to ask you now that Lydia, your daughter is older, how has the, if, if it has the, the Francine Frankie relationship, has it changed for you? Um, Lydia was born right before I started doing the show. And so she's been a part of my life, uh, as long as the show has. And it's, she's always been in my mind in, in those moments. And, um, you know, I can't, 
has it changed a, a little? She's still she's she's eight, so um, yeah, I guess I guess she's getting better at um, expressing herself, and she's getting more mature. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen uh, when we get back to the show, uh, and after I've spent all this time with her, because um, we have grown closer. Uh, you know, being just not just a parent, but also a teacher. And we're spending, you know, lots and lots of time together. Um, I'm excited to kind of see and interested to see how that is going to affect um, my relationship with Lorraine in the show. Um, you know, we draw as actors from our personal experiences, from our personal relationships. Um, and I think that um, most of my interactions with Lorraine or sorry, with um, Francine, uh, are she's a little more mature. She's older than than my daughter is now, um, but I know that it does affect me. Yes, it does. Nice. Wow. It's 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 it, life imitates art, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So. Um... We're just gonna we're gonna take a little break here, everyone. Um, thank you very much. We'll be right back. Everyone, welcome back to Silhouette. We've got Aaron De Jesus, uh, resident Frankie Valley of Jersey Boys off Broadway, um, and we're gonna ask. We're gonna get into some technical things um, in the show. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, how time is uh, one of the biggest liberties that uh, the creators took when um, when they were developing the show. Mm-hmm. So this is something that Gia and I were talking about. Um, if we're correct, there are only two blackouts in the show, right? Yes, I think that's right. Two blackouts. One right the after... Act one finale. Act one. And um, at the... Uh, right after after fallen, fallen angel. angel yeah right after fallen right. angel mm-hmm. so and I, I i remember i remember um in uh, in in my early years um uh when i i used to watch a bunch of videos about the about the show uh when it was on broadway and they, they said you know the the show just doesn't stop there's no blackouts and so with this funny little thing we call time how does time move in the show and depending on your not depending on your answer but based on your answer why why is that blackout after fallen angel there um, so there's like two questions okay i think that that the blackouts have less to do with time and more to do with um the impact of the moment um because After Fallen Angel, we go right to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, which was nineteen ninety two or ninety ninety or ninety two. I think ninety two. Um, and I don't know exactly what year Francine passed away. To be quite honest with you, um, I'd have to look that up. Uh, I think it was. I think it was like sixty seven. Does that sound right? 
I think it. I think it was later than that. I think it was eighty. Let me check. Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Sixteenth, nineteen eighty. Okay, so there is technically there is a time jump there. Uh, the funny thing is after after um at the end of Act One, the time jump goes in reverse. We go back in goes time. Goes backwards. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, so amazing. that's why I. Th- I I don't necessarily th- think that they purposely said we're going to put a blackout and it's going to signify a time change, but because I, I, I feel like it's more about the impact of the moment, the seriousness of Tommy coming down um, the stairs and being finally called out on the carpet for everything that he's done, right? And the seriousness and the gravity of um. You know, at that point, it's a hundred. He owes over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the mob, and that—that's like might as well be in our, you know, over a million dollars of our, you know, with inflation. That's like a million dollars to us, right? That's a lot of money to own to to owe to the mob, Um, and so that's serious, serious, serious. And then, of course. Uh, the loss of his daughter is very, very, very serious and impactful as well. So I think it probably has more to do with that um, and less to do with, like, specifically, we're going to shift time here. But it's an interesting coincidence, I think. Um, and this is my theory. I don't, you know, I, 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 I'd never put that together, but I don't know that it was specifically to mark a passage or a change in time. Gotcha, because this isn't. It, it's this show is not like Les Misérables, where you always see the year. That know? is correct. So for for someone, um, I I I don't even remember if I had any concept, uh, you know, or, or understanding of how time moved in the show the first few times that I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was I was just watching the movie a few nights ago with two friends of mine, and um, uh, one of them was was just a little bit confused at how time was moving um so and it it always it always interested me because because there are only two blackouts i thought that but yeah but it's it told it totally makes sense that it just it it signifies the the significance of the of the moment Mm -hmm. um we had a few other questions talking technically um is there a crew member playing the piano in the Silhouettes Club underscores scene after Sunday Kind of Love? Okay, hold on a second. So after Sunday Kind of Love, like I, I, so after you and Tom, after Frankie and Tommy sing it in the club, um, and we before we meet Mary for the first time, um, uh, the the band starts playing, and then you hear the the the, the piano. Ba, 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 da, ba, uh-huh. Um, I, I've, I, I, I always, I never see this person again or before they come on to play the piano and they, they, they stay on stage playing into the Frankie Mary scene in the pizzeria when, um, when the, the guy playing the waiter comes to play the, what, what's the name of that? The mandolin. String, the mandolin. Yeah. yeah. They, so he he goes to play the mandolin with her at the piano. So is that a crew member? So no, that is not a crew member. That is our key two, who is always a woman. Um, and oh. uh, that's Madeline. 
um, or one of the subs. Um, but no, she is our she, she's key three. She's key three. Key three. She's key yeah. number three. Yeah. And that's always been she helps push on the piano um, or they push on the piano for her. She sits down and plays that piano on stage. Oh, so she's playing live. Uh, no. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I thought. But she's pretending. <laughs> she's pretending to play live. But you know she what? Is a, she's a we member can, of the band. She's a member of the band. Right. We can edit that out. We'll, we'll keep the magic alive. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was always so intrigued by that. Um. So just. Just. Um. This brings brings up a, fo- a follow up question that kind of has nothing to do. Um. Because I know on Broadway there were three keyboard parts, and in all the ma- in all the major productions back in the day. Is there a fourth keyboard part right now? Do you know? Uh, no, it's just three keys. Yeah, it's still just three keys. It's still three um, keys. The conductor's key one, key two, uh, and then key three. Yeah, just three keyboards. Uh huh. And yeah, okay. So that 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 always just uh, intrigued me. It, it was always so um. Aaron, thank you for answering those because those were our big three technical questions that just uh-huh. us up at night. So I really need like just really definitive answers to those. Um, these are also well. Th- this next one is also kind of a goofy, weird theory question. Um, sure. but why isn't there Christmas music in the show? Because usually, when I think of any anything Italian related, mob related, anything in entertainment, there's always some kind of Christmas theme. And I was wondering if you knew why there wasn't one. Um, I think I, I can only speculate. Uh, there is a Christmas scene in the show. Um, if you next time you see the show, I don't know if I should tell you if I should. Um, see I know can... exactly which well, scene yeah. it is. I know exactly which scene it is. What it's, scene is it? Um, well, it's it's Frankie and Bob, Bob. in the diner before in Act Two, oh. right? Before can't take. Nope. It, or is it? Oh, what? No. A- oh, it's oh, what a night! Oh, right. It's oh, what a night! Oh, God. Yeah, well, yep. we, knew, right. we knew that because, of course, it's December night. Late December. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And he says, I'm and, just and a Bob bit says, slow. no, it's okay. And Bob says, <laughs> the studio uh-huh. or the label sends over, you know, a Christmas, you know, a little Christmas gift or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, why there isn't? A, why there isn't a Christmas song, I couldn't tell you. Maybe they were worried that um, something too holiday themed might seem too seasonal. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but I can only speculate. But okay. there is there is that you know um, the uh, gentleman uh, who brings on. <laughs> <laughs> the kind the substance substance uh is wearing <laughs> yeah, a lovely wearing santa, santa hat. hat so yeah we'll call him jolly old saint nick <laughs> <laughs> comes in with comes in with some substance wailing on a high g yep because that's what you do that's what you do <laughs> Well, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, and, and just for full disclosure, we definitely knew there was like the element there, but yeah, just just wondering sure. about the song for sure. Yeah. Um. Thank yep. you. And well, David has has a very serious, uh, definitely more serious question than a Christmas song. Um. Sure. Yeah. 
we were we we were talking about this yesterday actually when we were doing our last minute prep for tonight. Um, as you know, um, because you know with with everything that's going on in the world right now, Black Lives Matter and all the uh, the protests that are really creating amazing results. Mm-hmm. You know, things are starting to happen that you know should have been happening already, but you know progress. You know, it's it's there 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 are definitive things happening. So um, I don't I don't know if you heard, but Hairspray, uh, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, they just um, released a, a statement saying that no, because they had a they had a a, a clause in um, when when they sold the show to MTI for uh, amateurs and schools to do the show, mm-hmm. they put a little note in the contract that said that obviously if you do the show because of uh the the racial climate of the period you cannot don blackface on any of your actors who are playing black people Mm -hmm. but we won't be super upset if you cast white people in the role we don't want they said that we don't want people to lose out to roles just because you know, just because they weren't black, they didn't want to keep theaters from doing the show. Right. But now, in the wake of all of this, they removed that loophole, and now, and I, I honestly don't know how they're even going to monitor this. But basically, you can't do the show if you're not going to have black people playing black people, which mm-hmm. is it's it's that's that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You, it's it's it, it it's all about. We we can't be misrepresenting people on stage, um, and theater is such an inclusive environment always. Um, yeah. So, um, I actually participated in an all white production of Hairspray back in uh, a few years ago before before I went to Rutgers when I was um, when I was living in Miami, and um, you know we 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 were under the impression that. No, we we had good intentions, you know, because we we wanted to to highlight the message of the show, um. But in reality, it probably wasn't such an amazing idea. Um. So this got us thinking. So there's there's never there there have been um. Latino people and uh, Frankies of color, uh, FOCs, um, like uh, Miguel Jarquin Moreland, um. And uh, Sean Taylor Corbett and um, you, Aaron De Jesus, um, but we have never and seen John Michael Diaz, who's Portuguese, right? Mm-hmm. We have never seen um, a black Frankie Valley or even a black season. Mm-hmm. Now, I I totally understand that this is a period piece, so you know you know things being you know things being what they are, I totally get it. But do you think? Now, now that now now that things are in motion, do you think that there might ever be a black season? I can't speak for my production or for my producers, or um, I can't speak for anybody. Um, but I will say it wouldn't surprise me if one day we saw that, and probably one day soon. I know that right now tensions are very high, um, and uh, being a person who could be considered a minority. Um, I am not black, obviously, um, but, and I can't, so I cannot speak as to that experience or anything 
like that. Um, but we're at a t we're at a time now where boundaries are being broken, and I think it's very important. Um, I I also as an actor, one of the great things about being an actor is being able to portray something that you're not. Um, and there's value in in experiencing um, what someone goes through uh, when you've never experienced that. For example, um, I've had the, the blessing of being in three different productions of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, mm. I, am, I am not Jewish, um, but every single production I ever played, I, was, I played uh, a Jewish person. And having experienced that show and um, fallen in love with that show, it has given me a, a, an appreciation and a closeness to the Jewish people that I otherwise may not have had. Um, and so as an actor, that's one of the beauties of um, acting is that we get to be someone that we're not. We get to portray someone that we're not. We actually get to put on someone else's shoes and go through an experience um, as if we were them. Um, and I think that that's uh, something always to remember when we, when we kind of talk about these things. 100%. Well said. Beautiful. Um, so uh, a few, a few uh, funny stories and uh, goofs, uh, I guess you would call them. I, you, you told me a little bit um, about uh, – so I, I guess before I move on, uh, we 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 I we have a note written here about um, the guy from uh, the Japanese cast who came who came to see um, who came to well the the unofficial Japanese cast who uh -huh. who came to see you guys at New World Stages. Is that something that you got that you can that you can talk about? Uh, you, well, yeah. The, I mean, there have been several. Um, uh, uh, I want to say pirated, um, but right. basically um, not uh, – people have kind of, without the consent of the producers or the people that own the intellectual rights, have tried to put on their own productions of the show around the world. And um, it, it, it's happened in several countries um, and probably in the U.S. too, I imagine. Uh, but a gentleman who was a part of uh, the, a recent production in, I want to say Tokyo, um, came and saw the show. This was about a year, maybe a year and a half ago. And he, after the, after the show, he met me at the stage door and um, uh, was very, very nice. And he proceeded to uh, introduce himself in his very broken and sweet English. And he told me that he was the Hank Majewski of the Jersey Boys in Japan. And um it was so it was so nice. It was and he was so happy to see the show and it was um he was excited and he was so proud to tell me that he was Hank Majewski, Hank Majewski um in, in the Jersey Boys in Japan. Um and uh uh that was a really fun fun experience. Yeah. Um 
we also um i remember you posted i th- i think someone was doing a takeover of the jersey boys instagram when you told us the story of um when you guys were in vegas and uh the chair flew into the audience oh yeah that's one of the greats oh my goodness we're like it's the opening scene going from uh silhouettes into apple of my eye and there's it's one of those big scene changes where people race on with tables and chairs and um and microphone stands and drinks and and everybody moves very quickly and very precisely and uh the at the girl at the time the girl that was playing mary um uh i'm not sure if i should say her name but i'm going to lauren tartaglia (laughs) um she uh, went to flip her chair there's a way that we all flip the chairs when we bring them down off the table and when she went to flip it uh, it slipped out of her hand and flipped up into the air toward the audience it it bounced on the edge of the stage and flew out into the audience and landed on the first row in the only empty seat on that aisle in between two oh people oh my god and we just stood there and watched in horror as this chair flipped and flung into the air and landed thankfully in the only empty chair on the front row um and we just we just stood there in awe. We could not believe what we had seen. She, in horror, didn't know what to do. So she sat. We are all. Everybody was supposed to sit down at the same time at the at the tables, and so she mimed sitting down on a chair and just kind of squatted next to the table for a few minutes, kind of just in horror. What a nightmare until for her. I know until someone tapped on her leg and she turned around and it was the man next to the chair who had picked the chair up and handed it to her in the middle of the song. And so she sheepishly grabbed it and, and sat down on the chair. And that was, that was that. That's one of the great, one of the greatest things, one of the great stories of Jersey boys. Oh my gosh. So funny. That's wow, that's serious and terrifying. That's like once, that's once in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't. Uh, that's one of those things, you know, minute to win it. You could never do that, and and in, in a minute and try to, you know, there's no way you could try to do that again for money. <laughs> Bounce oh a, a metal oh chair off yeah. the stage into a specific seat. There's no way. Yes. Thank God it was empty. Could you imagine? I, oh I couldn't imagine gosh. a potential lawsuit or anything. Oh like that that was. I, I'm sure, like Nick Massey, like from like from up above, was looking down and yep. like, really, like, oh, we saved That's the right. show. Something, something to save it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're just gonna take a, we're gonna take another break right now. Thank okay. you very much. We'll be right back. And we're back. Thank you very much. Again, we got in the studio with us. Oh, the studio, the pandemic studio. The world is our studio right now. Uh, Aaron Aaron DeJesus, uh, resident Frankie Valley, New World Stages. Um, We got a few more questions. We're right at the end here. Um, We... uh, 
I'll, I'll introduce the segment, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll let Gia take the questions. Um, we, me, you and I have talked about Nick Massey a lot. We've had a few conversations about his character and a, a, about him as a person and how really little we know about him. And uh, it's 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 been such a a huge conversation for me and Gia also, and uh, we so when we were coming up with this show, we wanted we know we knew that we wanted to ask our guests, our you know people um, who have been in the show, questions about their relationship with Nick Massey's character. Oh yeah, and I I because for for anyone who. Um, who loves the show as much as we do knows that you know uh what does frankie say at the end nick's an interesting guy yeah but yeah that, so that's, that's, that's it says a mouthful it's, it's like a mouthful right there so um gia i'll let you why don't you go ahead and um take the reins here sure well yeah so and aaron i've talked to you about about nick too just because like he's He's we know the least about Nick, um, but we but Davina right. and I think that he he seems to us to be the most developed character in the show um, with and with the rope acting things that we've talked about and just different re, like just different ways that he carries himself throughout the show. Um, would you agree that he's the most developed character? Um, you know, that's a good question. I maybe in the sense that because we know so little about him more had to be created about him um and uh, as as writers and actors and directors um and maybe in that sense he feels more developed because um the nick that we see on stage is is a, a, is a creation of memory and artistry does that make sense oh yeah 100 um, percent. and each person who plays nick gets to create it even more yeah there's a, they're allowed a certain amount of leeway um yes yes that is correct that is correct and like i said we and you've already said it too but we know the least about nick um because he left the group uh very very early on um and um he was an important part of the foundation of the group, but, um, you know, Sherry hit in 1962. Um, Nick left the group in 1965. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and so, uh, that's another, you know, that's a little thing that we do with time in the show. Um, we keep, we keep Nick in the show longer, Nick in the group longer than it seems. Um, uh but um yeah he he moved on to different things in his life and um the group continued to flourish and grow and 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 have hits yeah well um, for, he for was an important part of the beginning oh my gosh like amazing and of course um for those who have seen the show um so nick massey is the fall season and of course, like in the fall, you know, that's when things really start to change. And that's when we really start to get into the nitty gritty of um, just how intense everything with the group really was and how heavy it was with with the mob aspect to it, too. Because, you know, Nick and Tommy, 
room together and like, like he saw things. But what makes me so sad is that to me, it seems that like Nick, he didn't believe in himself as much as David and I did watching because he would always say, um, well, he he said to them when he left, he's like, 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 well, you guys with all your talent, you don't even know I'm gone. Or at the end yeah, monologue, with, like four, when four guys and you're Ringo, you know, I should spend some time with my kids. And he he was having family issues and he told his own kids that he was their uncle, you know, just so he can screw around or whatever. But there's so much to him that's so earnest. And mm-hmm. every actor who plays him definitely brings an element to him. Um, and thank goodness for that. But it's just, it's so interesting that there's, there's always usually one guy in a group who's a little bit more, um, more reserved or just cares, cares about the group. You know, it's like the group comes first. It's about the, the collection. Um, but at the same time, with the same token, he's the one who always says, well, maybe I should start my own group, you know? Um, right. And also with some more research, we found out that Nick was actually, is this true? He was about 10 years older than everyone else in the group. And the record companies kind of, they, they made him like seem younger. And like, if you look up, and I, I remember watching this in the Build series interview. Um, if you look up Nick Massey's birthday, um, the, I mostly see, he was born in 1927, but they changed mm-hmm. his birth year just to make him seem younger with the group and he also did jail time so they wanted to keep that out of the press um yeah so it was just cool to see that there's so much but how do you feel when you have to respond to nick like does your heart break for him i guess that's the main question absolutely and and we're talking about a person who also um I mean, if everything is true about what we talk about him in the show, um, he is, he is, he's really going through it. I mean, sleeps till noon every day. Of course, he probably stays up really late. Um, Had, you know, family issues. um, Probably drank a little too much. um, Um. it's his story is a little, I mean, seemingly tragic, um, but I don't. I wouldn't necessarily think that he thought that. You know, I feel like when he leaves the group, it isn't out of um, that he doesn't feel like he's good enough. I think that he's just ready to move on. I think that he realizes that. You know, and he talks about it in his closing, in his closing monologue. It was time to go. It was time for him to go. It just came out of my mouth, right? And yeah. I just, it's like what, I he it, I what he wanted. He didn't want that life. He didn't want that life. There were aspects of the life that he enjoyed: the girls and the booze, and the and and the and the stardom and the money. I'm sure he loved that. Um, but when push came to shove. To him, there were more important things, and it wasn't worth going through all of that um, to miss out on other things in his life that he wanted. Um, I don't necessarily think that it was because he thought less of himself, that he wasn't talented. Um, I don't know that he he may have felt a little threatened because he was the music guy until Gaudio came in. He was the one doing all the arrangements. He was the one... um, helping Frankie with his singing, all those things. 
Um, and then Gaudio came in and all of a sudden he is like a true musician and a writer and all of these things. Um, and, you know, he may, I don't know that he, he may have felt intimidated. I don't know. He may have felt like, oh, they don't need me anymore because they got this guy and there's now other things that I can do and I want to do with my life. Um, but I feel like, I feel like, you know, we paint, we might paint him as a little bit of a tragic character, uh, but I don't think that Nick would call him, would, would identify as that. Does that Good. make sense? <laughs> yes. And thank you for- Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah, we definitely needed to hear that. Because it just depends on, on who you watch and what mood you're into, maybe, for me. Like, if mm-hmm. I'm in that maybe just self-doubting time, I kind of pay more, maybe I just pay more attention to his story. Um, no, uh, but- you know, yeah, he, I, was a, he was a confident man. He, yeah, um, I'm sure. And like you said, he was definitely the oldest by far. Um, he was also- you know, we, we, we do different things artistically in the show. Nick and Tommy and Frankie are all about the same height. Um, Bob was the only tall one. Um, and I've met all of them except, obviously, Nick. Um, and it is absolutely true that Tommy and Frankie are about my height. Nick was also about the same height as Tommy and Frankie. Um, and so, um, you know... A, a guy of his age, he was older than the guys. He was short, but if you look at those pictures and those images of him, the big smile on his face, he was mm-hmm. uh, he was handsome, he was confident, he was um, he was a, you know uh, uh, he had a great presence. Um, you know, if you look at any of the, like all those photos from the beginning, he's he he looked fantastic he really does people listening mm-hmm. please look him up he's he's wonderful <laughs> mm-hmm. no yeah, yeah. it's no because i i i think uh, yeah what, what Gia was saying it was it's like it depends on what kind of mood you're in how you vibe with nick because um if, I, if, I feel like he because it there, there there are a few instances where he feels out of the loop right i mean when w- the few the few that come to mind is when when they're in the, in the, in the second act when they're in the accountant's office and he asks about gava and he's like oh what's that um and you know he was left out of the loop and then um in the especially in the in the half a mil scene you know he he just kept getting shut down and you know let you know let let me handle it let us handle it and then and then bob comes out and says i don't want anyone else i don't want anyone but me and frankie involved in our future and we just i think we just think sometimes that nick didn't feel like so it's not that he wasn't competent but he didn't feel like his his he his like if nick was a plant he wasn't being watered right he was he he wasn't he wasn't feeling a part of the decisions so i think it 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 could drive a wedge between anyone. Yeah, I think if you go back next time, you guys go watch the show. If you want to kind of do a a Nick a Nick's journey, watch. Pay attention. Pay attention to what happens. What happens um, in the show with Nick when Bob joins the group? Watch how Nick responds to um, Bob's 
kind of taking the helm sometimes uh, in the backups medley, um, in other Ooh. things. Yeah, pay attention. Watch, and 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 you and you might start to see if you watch throughout the show, you're gonna see little, 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 little hints, little moments of oh, okay, um, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I should do something different. You know, <laughs> maybe yeah. I'm not. You know, yeah. We're definitely gonna do an, an a Nick deep dive. Yes. Next time we see it, for sure. It'll be fun yeah, for you. He teaches Frankie, you know, in the church, you know, like he, he teaches him the harmonies, like, all right, Frankie, chest voice, do your exercises. Like he, he was the guy, you know. We're on the flat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll definitely, it, what you were saying with, oh my gosh, with the backup session scene, I'll definitely pay more attention to that one. Cause that's mm-hmm. when you start to see everything unfold for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's little things yeah. like that. And, and at the mm-hmm. end, what does he say? You guys with all your talent. What does he say? You remember? With all your talent, yeah. With, with all your talent, they won't even know I'm gone. You'll never even know I'm gone. He says. Mm-hmm. You haven't needed me. You know. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that's just supposed to show with everything, wow. every character in the show, especially after the monologues. Like it, it wasn't. It, well. Well, I know Tommy says, you know, like, if there's a few ways to get out of the neighborhood, you know, like you get mobbed up or like, or you, like you get famous. Um, but it never seemed like it, that was the goal for them. You know, these were, you know, four guys wrong side of the tracks, but, and the way they responded to selling all these records, you know, like it's, it's different for all of them, but there was never, I think the ego thing is is different for everyone, but Nick def- definitely did not have that ego. Bob never had that ego. Right. F- Frankie, I don't think Frankie does either. Cause like, he's the one like he's, he's, you know, he's been on the road this whole time, you know, trying to mm-hmm. like, just to help out with the band and to, like, and to help out Tommy who, you know, yeah. so it's, it's really, everyone remembers it how they need to, right? That's exactly. right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. But, but, but I think that's why this show really, stays with people is because like this is how it really is in the music business and yeah and that's it yeah it's well we've we've come to the end um thank you so much aaron for doing this it was my pleasure thank you for having me um yeah it it was it was it was such a it was so so much fun chatting with you and it, it we we like um like like we had said you know earlier we we try to we try to get you know into the nitty gritty into the 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 details that people might not have looked at initially and um because that that's that's what we're all about at this point because we we've seen this we we've seen the show more than 20 times between us me and Gia and at this point we we want to know the the deeper things and how people feel about I think that's great. And and like, anybody that comes to see the show, you know, multiple times, take, you know, allow yourself to kind of pay attention. Look at the close, the little things, the rope, the rope in moment, like you said, or there's so many, there, there are so many fun little tidbits like that. And I think that, um, 
you know, after all these years and if, after um, so many people and so much that we know about this story, it's fun to look for those things and to see those things. And, and um, yeah, it's like watching your favorite movie over and over again, but like it's different every time, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. It's so different. It's, it, that's, that's actually the perfect way to describe it. Mm-hmm. That's actually the perfect way to describe it, and that's exactly how I'm going to describe it from now on. Yeah. It's your favorite movie, and it's different every single but time. But it's different, you know, every time. Yeah. So, um, so uh, it, it it was it was great. Thank you so much, yeah. um, Aaron. Thank you guys so much. We'll uh we'll we'll speak to you soon, and uh, tune in next week, guys. Uh, we have a new episode dropping every Sunday. It's a Sunday kind of love, and um, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Aaron, for coming on and chatting with us today. Your emotional and technical insight into the show is exactly why we wanted to start this podcast. And it was fabulous to have you as our guest for our premiere episode of Silhouettes. His history with the show is unmatched. And he's still in the old neighborhood, eight shows a week. We're both so grateful to call him a friend. He's just too good to be true. And as always, we'd like to thank Anchor for sponsoring this episode of Silhouettes. New episodes drop every Sunday, so grab a friend or a family member and sing Sunday Kind of Love. Everyone remembers it how they need to, right? So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at at silhouettesjvpodcast underscore and subscribe to silhouettesjvpodcast wherever podcasts can be found. Bye. Bye!